Okay, let's begin our discussion of this year's Parshas Vayigash, Tavshin Ayin Gimel, one of the uh, more exciting Parshias in all the Torah. We left off last week with a cliffhanger in the middle of a conversation between uh, Yehuda and Yosef, and Yosef, um, as we know, has the amazing statement, one of the most memorable statements in all of the Torah, Ani Yosef Ha'od Avi Chai. I am Yosef, as my father still alive. The Beis HaLevi made that Pasuk extremely famous, which we spoke about a number of years ago. But uh, this year we'll, we'll quote something similar, but he says it in his own way. Just to start off with a small, short, Rav Yisrael Bluzer, the, the uh, star pupil of Rav Yisrael Salanter, he writes in Mayana Shal Torah in source number one, Ani Yosef Ha'od Avi Chai, says Rav Yitzchak, Yehuda Hayatoin Bifnei Yosef, Yehuda claimed before Yosef, Amnam Hatzadikitcha, you're right. Thinking about what Yehuda is saying to Yosef, it's going to be too painful for our father. You can't do it. You can't take Binyamin. Binyamin Ganavas Onesh. Yes, Binyamin is Roi to get a punishment. He did it. At least he was framed and seemed to have done it. Ulama Viva Zakein Kora. But Yaakov didn't do anything wrong. And it's not appropriate. We know HaKadosh Baruch Hu, it's Tzadik V'yasharhu. HaKadosh Baruch Hu takes into account not only the perpetrator, but family and everybody around. So that's, that's the svar that Yosef felt. Yes, at this point, I cannot do anything. I cannot hold Binyamin because, after all, it's going to be painful to Yaakov. So therefore says the Yosef didn't have anything more to say because Yehuda's right. He can't put Yaakov in any more pain than he is right now. But But once he has revealed himself to them, so then he has something to say. Until that point, before he revealed himself, Logic and, and Yashrus, he can't, he can't keep in Yemen. But now that he has revealed himself, Ani Yosef, Ani Yosef Shemachartem Oso Bilal Cheto Negdechem, Aval Haoda Vichai, Haim Atzar Abba Koach Lamod Besaragadosh Agaram Temlo. What about the previous pain? Imani Chatasi Negdechem, Maya Abba Ashabakach, you sold me without thinking of his pain. Shetziartem Oso Koach Bemeshem Esser Mishtaim Shana. So only after he reveals himself can Yosef then have the claim of, but you made, you made Abba, you made our father so, in so much pain earlier and you did not think of the same svara that you're trying to prove to me. So it's basically a similar idea to what the Beis HaLevi wrote a number of years ago, um, that we mentioned a number of years ago, in terms of the consistency of our actions and that's what Yosef was claiming to them. That was the muster that he was giving them. You're so worried about your father. Now, what about 22 years ago? But he just adds his own element in that Yosef couldn't make this claim before he revealed himself because it was a good claim that Yaakov Avita shouldn't be in any more pain. He didn't do anything. It was only Binyamin. But once Yosef revealed himself and he's focusing on past actions, so then the door is open for him to make the, pl- the, the claim against his brothers. Okay. Let's get into some of the psukim later on in the parsha, as we have spoken about. Um, Yaakov is Perak Memhei. Let's go to pasuk Yudalad. Yosef reveals himself to his brothers, as we mentioned, and he says, gives them instructions. Go tell Yaakov Avinu he has to come down to Mitzrayim. There's no. It doesn't make sense for us all to go, go up to Eretz Canaan. I have everything here. He has to be brought down. And then, and only then, he lets his emotions out a little bit with Binyamin, his brother. He cries on his brother's, on his brother's shoulder. Binyamin cries on his shoulder. Reading the Pasuk, there doesn't seem to be anything wrong with the Pasuk. Doesn't seem to be any problem with the Pasik. These are two brothers that haven't seen each other in so many years. Two brothers that have the same father, the same mother. They loved each other. Binyamin had ten sons, and every one of his sons were named about something Yosef related. He didn't see my chuppah, mupim, chupim. Rashi quotes it in last week's parsha 
So you read the Pasik, it's wonderful. Yet Chazal, Rashi quotes it, says that there was a deeper meaning to this cry. It wasn't just a cry of two brothers. Quoting the Gemara, Al Shnei Mikdash. What was Yosef crying about? He was crying about the two Bate Mikdash that were going to be in Binyamin's Chelek that were going to be destroyed. We know based on an uncle is Binyamin Ze'ev Yitraf. Based on that Pasik, uncle says that the Mizbeach has to be in the Chelek of Binyamin. The entire Mizbeach. That's why the southeast side of the Mizbeach was cut off. It didn't have a Yesod. It didn't have the base that the Kohanim usually poured the, poured the blood onto because the entire Mizbeach had to be in Binyamin. The border of Binyamin and Yehuda split through straight into the base of Mikdash. Yehuda to the south and Binyamin to the, to the, uh, to the north. It wasn't exactly north-south or east-west. But the entire Mizbeach had to be in Binyamin. So Yosef's crying because he sees these two Bate Mikdash that are going to be destroyed in Binyamin's Chelek. And what is Binyamin crying about? Binyamin is crying on Yosef's neck. Al Mishkan Shiloh Shasilios Bechelko Shel Yosef Asofelecharev. Mishkan Shiloh was also will ultimately be destroyed. Interestingly, in the Psukim in Navi, we don't have a Churban Shiloh. The Aron is taken. They don't use it anymore. But there's no specific Khurban that is associated with the Mishkan. Chazal even noted in Parshas Vayakel that the Mishkan has something unique as compared to the other Bati Mikdash that was never destroyed. It was just put to disuse. But either way, it's called a Khurban. Called Khurban Shiloh. So Yosef is crying for the Bati Mikdash and Binyamin is crying for the Mishkan. And the question is, why did Chazal have to make this Russia? The Pasuk seems fine as it is. Chazal usually bothered. The Bible Rebbe has a whole safer. What's bothering Mahinir about? What bothers Rashi? Many have many have svarim about that. So the question is, what's bothering Chazal? The Rashi quotes here. What's wrong with the pasuk that we have to say? Oh, they're really crying about the base of Migdash. They're crying about the Mishkan. Why can't they just say they're crying because they loved each other and they're two brothers that haven't seen each other in a long time? That's the question of Rav Schwab. Says Rav Schwab in Mayan Beit Hashoeva. After he quotes the Chazal, Why can't it be that? They're just crying out of Simcha. So Shwab quotes the thought from another Rav, I'm going to Rav Mordechai Pogramansky, who quotes a Pasuk on the, a Medrash on the Pasuk in Yishayahu. The Pasuk that is said at the end of every Hespit. Hashem should wipe away the tears. Hashem should wipe away all of our tears. The Medrash on that Pasuk says, Even the tears that we have out of joy, that when we're so happy and we start crying about something, even those tears Hashem should, should dry up. What's wrong with those tears? Those are good tears. Those are happy tears. We love those tears. They cry of such a deep feeling when you cry out of simcha. So why does the Medrash say that in the future what we daven for, that Hashem should dry up the tears, why do we want those tears to be dried up? Those are, those are, not, those are good tears. So he quotes on line 12, Upirish huzal, shahatam shebochim b'sha simcha gedola. Why is it, if we think about it, so tears just is just a reflection of deep emotion? You could have deep emotion without crying too. What's the parallel, what's the connection between crying over sadness and then crying over happiness? Are they just opposites? Opposite feelings make me cry? Says Rav Schwab in the name of this other, the other of. The reason that we cry simcha, even though most of the time we associate crying, ninety-five percent of the time crying is associated with pain and and suffering and hurt. Usually, laughter and smiling is associated with simcha. So why is it sometimes that in in extreme cases we cry? When Hashem helped build the Beis HaMikdash, when Hashem built it with Shlomo's help, there was no greater simcha in the world than when we had the Beis HaMikdash. 
The whole world was, was this was the goal of the world. Beis HaMikdash, Hashras HaShchina, the Tenisim that took place every day in the Beis HaMikdash. And the whole world was radiating out from Kimitzion Teitzei Torah. That was the ultimate simcha in the world. That's the Makara simcha. As we say in the Yom, Yefei Nof Misos Kalaras. Misos. It causes the whole world to be happy. Misos Kalaras. Ukishachara Beis HaMikdash. And even because the Gemara in So Yom Simchas Libo is being a Beis HaMikdash. The Mishnah at the end of Tainus. Ukishachara when the Beis HaMikdash was destroyed, Simcha was taken away. There will never be ultimate pure joy in the world. Or we can't even imagine it because it's been so long. But all the halachis, right? The, the Kabbalah even says that they, they, they were possibly thinking that for, they were, they were going to forbid meat and wine forever. How could you do anything? How could you go forward in life? So we say no, we, they didn't do that. So we just have certain... Takanos of leaving a space in the house and uh, putting some ashes on a chas and said, we have some. But, but true simcha we haven't felt in thousands of years. The entire world became full of sar, full of pain, full of hester him. But HaKadosh Baruch Hu every once in a while gives us an island in that in the world, in the sea of pain and difficulties that we have in this world because there's no Beis HaMikdash, because there's no Ashras HaShchina, because of that, there are some islands. And those islands are Simcha moments in our lives. V'nasu zmani Simcha v'chai ha'adam k'mo iye hayam ba'okiyanis shal tsar v'dima. It's these islands that you have a moment, you have a moment there, Rachman Litzlan, Think about our existence nationally over the past 2,000 years. On the road, it's been painful. In every generation, there's been tragedy for the Jewish people. In every, de- in every century. We th- just look at, look, at the, uh, look at the centuries. But every once in a while, God's birth gives us an island of, of Simcha. What happens when that moment of Simcha gets so great, it starts overflowing the island? It goes into the sea, the sea of Tsar, the sea that's, that's, that's the main covering of the whole world when the Simcha moments overflow. So there are tears. But what's the root of those tears, really? And those tears are really from, from the pain. It could be that, that uh, subconsciously or, or metaphysically we cry so deeply out of simcha because we wish, we wish we had the true simcha. That we still realize deep down that we're missing something, that we're lacking something. But it's from the overflow of the islands into those, the sea. Ubaha adam And therefore one cries. Nimsa. So if you think about it on a deeper level, Why do we cry when we're so happy? Ultimately, deep down at root, it's from the fact that we don't have a base amigdash. That's why there are tears there, because it's the overflow of the islands of happiness. So when Yosef and Yamin cry on each other's shoulders, oh, what do you mean? They're crying out of happiness. What is it? What, what is Chazal to Darshan based on Migdash? It's the same point. It's the exact same message. They're crying out of Simcha because, because of the Churban based on Migdash. That ultimately caused all the, all the Bechios, all the cryings that we have in the world, even the Bechios shall Simcha. So it is explaining the Pshat, says Rav Schwab. That gufa is showing and proving. It's based on the fact of the Mishkan, the Batimikdash or Nechrab. You might say, but they weren't Nechrab yet, they weren't built yet. Okay, you've got to work it out. But at least, HaKadosh Baruch already put into the nature that crying, Bechia, even Shal Simcha, is connected to Bechia at a moment of the opposite of Simcha. Okay. Moving right along. Perig mem vav. Perig mem vav, pasagav. So what happens? Yosef sends back. Yo- Yaakov sees the agalos. Those famous agalos we've spoken in the past about the Rashi, about Egla Arufa. 
And Yaakov's spirit awakens. We'll talk about that soon. Vayomer Yisrael, Rav od Yosef benichai elcha ve'erenu b'teramamus. My son is still alive. I must go see him before <coughs> before I die. Vayisa Yisrael v'kol hashelo. So Yisrael Yaakov Avinu takes all that is his. Vayavo be'erashava. Comes to Beersheva. Vayizbach zvachim le'lokei aviv Yitzchak. And he sacrifices to the God of his father Yitzchak. Almost every phrase in this Pasuk requires elaboration. The next Pasuk also, B'maris Halayla. Question one. If I hadn't seen my son in 22 years, how many pit stops would I make? Okay, you have to make some pit stops. But, Beersheva? Why do you go to Beersheva? Oh, he's going south. But what did he need to go to Beersheva for? And what did he do there? He gave Karbanis. Who did he give Karbanis to? Le'lokea bev Yitzchak. What about his grandfather? His grandfather also had a relationship with Beersheva. So why did he go to Beersheva? Why, why Aviv Yitzchak? I'm going to ask all the questions now and then we'll see two separate ideas, each one answering some of the questions. Actually, no, let's, let's wait with the third question. These are two questions. Why Beersheva? Why Yitzchak? Let's see the words of Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetsk. Vayisa Yisrael, says Rabbi Yaakov, Masha Atzer Yaakov Eber Sheva Bedarko LeMitzrayim. Why did he stop there? And let me just ask one other question. Why did he stop there? But there's a medrash. The Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetsky quotes the medrash a little later on line 23 that when Yaakov was in Beersheva, he cut trees down. He cut arazim. He cut cedar trees down and he brought them down with him to Mitzrayim. Brought them down with him to Mitzrayim. Why? Because Chazal say these are the trees that they were going to be used for the Mishkan. What? Not enough trees in Mitzrayim. Not enough tree, not enough lumber in Mitzrayim. Right? They, ya- Yaakov needed to bring trees from Beersheba all the way down to Mitzrayim so they could bring them back up when they left Mitzrayim. A couple hundred years later. So what's the message of the trees? Why did he go to Beersheba in the first place? And what's the message of the trees? We'll talk about why Yitzchak that Hashem in a few minutes. Says Rabbi Yaakov back to the beginning. Masha Atzar Yaakov Beersheba Bidarko Mitzrayim. Why? Biarti Shebeersheba Haisa Makom Menuchasam Benachamasam Shalom Avos Beis Sarasam. Beersheba was a place that the Avos went to get Chizuk. It was a special place already from the times of Avram Avinu. Avinu even planted the trees earlier. I didn't start the historical story till right. I said Yaakov took down the trees. Who planted those trees? Yaakov planted those trees. Why, when he, I'm sorry, Avram Avinu planted those trees. Avram planted the trees. Not that Razim Beersheva, but Shobinyan Mishkan, as the Medrash says. Once Avram Avinu was there, this was a spot that already had kedusha that spread to each of the avos. Avram ingrained in the place kedusha. Yitzchak went there when Avimelech threw him out from Aza. Halach Sheva, Ubanasham Mizbeach. He went to Beersheva. Vigam Yaakov. And before Yaakov goes down to Mitzrayim, he goes to Beersheva. He needs some chizuk. Because Avram Avinu already put in this spot special magical powers to give chizuk to the Avos. Vigam Yaakov. Kodem Aknisa Legolos. Halach Sheva, Kadei Nechama. To take comfort, to be connected. And that's why he gave Karbanis to his the Kaobiv Yitzchak, because Yitzchak also had built Mizbechos there. Point number one. He went there because Avram Ravinu already made this place special. Right? Avram with Abimelech, Karl the Bersheva, and Vayera. What's the message of the trees? Avram plants the trees. Yaakov cuts the trees and brings it down to Mitzrayim. And Bede Yisrael bring the trees back up. Says Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetsky, Yaakov knew this was going to be a long haul. This was the Gullus. This was the, product, uh, the, the, the model of all future Gullios. It was all encapsulated in Gullus Mitzrayim. When we talk about the Dal Gullios, based on the Pasig in Daniel, Gullus Bavel and, and, uh, and Paras and, and Yavan and, and Edo. We talk about what Mitzrayim. That's not included in the four, because that, that's a separate, that's the root of all Gaulus, 
is Golas Mitzrayim. Yaakov knew it was going to be very difficult. Yaakov knew it would be very easy to give up hope, to be misyaish, to just say, forget it, it's never going to happen. It's been hundreds of years. He needed to give his descendants a tangible reminder of Hashem's promise that there's going to be a redemption. It's going to happen. He needs to give them something that they could look at, that they could touch, that they could relate to, and they could say, Kodesh Baruch was taking us out. Those were those trees. These trees, they look at the trees, they think of Avram, Yisrael, and Yaakov. They think of the promises. They think of the Brisbane Abbasarim. That's the trees. Let's read his words. Why? Venire, line 26. There was a special kavana. He was very nervous. He didn't know about the assimilation. How separate is Goshen from the rest of Mitzrayim? He didn't know. As Chazal tell us that if they would have stayed in Mitzrayim one extra moment, we would not have been recognized anymore as Zera Avram Avinu, and then we wouldn't have been redeemed. Hashem had a promise Yaakov and promised the descendants. Don't be scared. Al Tira Merda Mitzrayma. Don't be scared. He needed a connection. Now people will always be connected back. These trees will always be with them. These are the trees. Don't you remember? This is what people told their children and their grandchildren. On line, t- line 10, We're going to build a house for God with these trees. These trees help them have that animam and that munashalayb. And then Rabbi Yaakov has on just one more point, And that is, what are our trees today? What are our trees what do, we, what do we have that's tangible, that we do, that we see, that we think about, that reminds us that there's going to be a geula? Nobody's perfect. So, Klai Yisrael, they're going to sin. What, what can they do? How can they do tshuva? Karbanos, Karbanos, along with proper tshuva, bring kapara. Avram says that's okay during the Beis Hamikdash. What about Bezman She'ein Beis Hamikdash Kayam Matehe Aleim? What's the promise? Amar Lake Farti Kanti Lam Seder Karbanos. Say Karbanos. Calls Matche Karin Bahem Maali Maale Ani Aleim Kilo Magrivin Lefanai Karban. Says Rabbi Yaakov, what are we doing? We're saying Karbanos. We're reciting Karbanos about the Ola and the Shlamim and the Mincha and the Karbanos. We don't have a Mizbeach. We don't know where the Mizbeach should be. We don't know the, the, the exact, all the details. What are we doing? Amiras HaKarbanos are our trees, says Rabbi Yaakov. Line 434. How, how do we stay connected to Harabayas? We can't even go there. We're Tamei. The Alzechadish Baruch Hu says, Karbanos. Karbanos are our trees. That's Rabbi Yaakov. Again, answering why Beersheba, that's the place where the Avos get chizik. Why the trees? Because that's their, their tangible reminder of the Geula. Let's go now to the other problems in the Psukim. Why Yitzchak? Specifically Yitzchak. And not Avraham. And one other question. Yaakov Avinu goes to Beersheba and gives Karbanos. If you think back to earlier, whenever Yaakov created monuments and wanted to give something to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, it wasn't Karbanos. If we think back to the beginning of Ayetze, when he woke up, 
Vayasem osa matzeva, vayitzok shemen al rosha. What did he do on the rock? He poured oil on it. Other places, he did nisuch. He didn't do karbanos. All of a sudden here, he's doing karbanos. Why isn't he doing nisachim, which usually go with, with, right, with karbanos or separately, wine, oil, specifically karbanos here that he hasn't done, that he didn't do earlier. These two questions are the meshachachs. I'm not doing this here, the Meshachachma, on the next Pasuk, but Maros Halayla, that was a number of years ago, Yaakov being the only Av who has a Maros Halayla, and of Avram Yitzchak and Yaakov, but it says the Meshachachma here. Why specifically Yitzchak? See, he says in source number five on the top left, Mishum Amru, because the Gemara says in Meseches Megillah, Dine Enash, Chazal say something, but the Meshachachma just takes it one step further. We know that Yaakov Avinu, was punished. 22 years, Kenega, 22 years. What's the 22 years? Shalom Kibit Aviv Chaf Shana. For the 22 years that he wasn't doing Kibit Av, not the years that he was in Sheva Aver, the years that he was with Lavan, which itself is somewhat difficult. He was busy getting a wife. Why? His, his parents told him to go out there. But either way, Chazal tell us he was punished. So Yaakov, maybe at this moment, when he thinks about it, he says, I didn't know Yosef was alive. I didn't know anything about Yosef for 22 years, 22 years, 22 years. And it clicks, and he realizes that it's Mida Keneged Mida. So as he's going down, says the Meshachachma, right, he's thinking about Kibbut Av. That's what's on his mind. Maybe Yosef is not going to talk to him. There's going to be more Onesh V'chayotze Bazeh. He does something for his father. It's specifically for his father. Because this whole Maisa, all the years, Chazal tell us, was because of the lack of Kibarav on his level. So he did something, he gave Karbanas to the God of Yitzchak Avin. Why specifically Karbanos? Says the Meshachachma, fascinating. What was the previous Pasuk? What just happened beforehand? He's giving Karbanas now. The previous Pasuk. What just happened? He sees the Agalos. Vatechi ruach Yaakov avihem. Yaakov becomes alive. Vayomi Yisrael Rav He becomes alive and he brings Karbanas. Says the Meshachachma, that's the key. What's the key? V'dadamru. He says, Dabar Pashur. He says, clear. Avel kol shiva eno mishalech kambarnosav. An Avel can't send Karbanas. When somebody is sitting Shiva, they can't send the Karban. Dechsev, Shlamim, Bizman Shehu Shalem. The Gemara Darshiz and Moikatan, only when someone is complete, when somebody lost one of his seven relatives, father, mother, son, daughter, brother, sister, spouse, so they're not complete, they lost a part of themselves. So all the years that Yaakov Avinu didn't have Yosef, he was in Avelos. He couldn't give Karbanis. He couldn't be Makar for Karban. Because he was Chaser. Bishashapirish bimenu Yosef. From the moment that Yosef went away from him. The his Abil Allah Yaakov Kalayamimra. We read earlier in, the, in, in Sefer Bracious. He did not accept comfort. He was lacking. He was ba'atzvos. He didn't have a shrasa karbanus. So he didn't give karbanus. Ulam. Now that he knows, and what did the Torah just say right before this? All of a sudden, he became alive again. He was complete again. Now he's shalem. He's out of avelus. What's the first thing he does? Yaakov goes with everything with him. What's everything with him? Now he has everything with him. Now he's Shalem. That phrase, says the Meshachachma, is an allusion to this Gemara. He's Shalem now. He's complete. So that's why. That's why he goes to give Karbanas to the same place his father gave. But he goes and now he's able to give Karbanas because now he's no longer an Avelis. Now he gets into why specifically Karbanas here and not the other question we asked and not Nesachim. 
So again, the Meshachach was answering three questions. Number one, why Dafka Yitzchak? Number two, why Karbanos now? Just get down to Mitzrayim. Go see your son. No, he's been, he's been, he couldn't give these 22 years. Number three, why Zvachim here? Why animals, Karbanos here? And not like the earlier events in Yaakov's life where he only did libations. He did Nisachim. Says the Meshachachma in line 17. Vehine. Hayayin vahashemen sha'asa Yaakov evet el. Alhamatseva himenchas nesachim. Yaakov avinu beforehand gave wine and oil. That is the halacha of a carbon nesachim. That means I could bring a separate, I could, I could a volunteer to give nesachim on the mizbeach. Wine and oil, maybe even flour. I could do that by itself, not connected to any other carbon. There wasn't a Mizbeach earlier. So he couldn't give Karbanis. Because there was a stone. A stone is not a Mizbeach. He only gave Nisachim. And then he says, he continues, But now he says, those items of Nisachim are not allowed to be brought by partners. Either a yachid, one person can bring Nesachim, or a tzibur, the entire Jewish people, could bring Nesachim. At this stage in history, right now, says the Meshachachma, Yaakov cannot bring Nesachim. Because he is now going down to Mitzrayim with his family. He's bringing Karbanas on behalf of all of them, but they're not all there. He's not bringing it earlier in Vayetzei. He was by himself. He could bring Nesachim. He could bring Karbanos. He could bring the Nesachim, the libations, as a private individual. Now he's not a private individual anymore. Now he's with his sons, Klai Yisrael, but Yosef's not there. So says the Meshachachma, he can't bring a carb. he can't bring the Nesachim because he's not a Yachid and he doesn't have a whole Tzibur with him. As it says, two people cannot bring a carbon mincha. We discussed this a number of years ago as well. And here he's bringing for his children also. That's why he only brings a carbon, an animal, because that can be brought by, by shutfin, by partners, one person, Sibur, that has more flexibility. Meshachachma in his classic style taking a halacha from Hilchus Kachin putting it back into the text explaining why Yaakov Avinu acted in a certain way. Okay, moving right along. Perak Memvav Pasik Chavtes. We spoke about the crying earlier so let's speak about another another cry. Ves Yehuda by Shishi. Ves Yehuda Shalach Lefanav El Yosef Lahoros Lefanav Goshna. Yehuda is sent down to Goshen and he opens up a yeshiva. By Yeser Yosef Merkavto and Yosef goes now, he gets his chariot. By Yal Lekras Yisrael Aviv Goshna. And he goes to see his father. By Yehra Elav, he appears before him. Meaning Yosef appears in front of his father. By Yipol Al Tzavarov. And he falls on his neck. Vayevk al Tzavarav od. And he cried on his neck also. So what is unclear, the Pasuk just says, he cried on his neck. Doesn't say who cried on whose neck. And Chazal were for sure looking at this Pasuk in light of the previous Pasuk that we had in the Parsha, which said both back in Mem Heyudalid. There it says both directions. It says both sides. Yet here we only have one. He cried on his neck. Who cried on whose neck? So Pashas, what would you have said? Who would cry more, the father or the son? So the son. So we assume it's Yosef crying on Yaakov's neck. Also the previous phrase, Vayera Elav, he appeared before him. Yosef, Rashi says explicitly, appeared before his father, and he cried, Vayipol al-Tzavarov. The question is, why wasn't Yaakov crying? Was it Yaakov crying? Before him, Chazal said, oh, they were both crying, and Chazal said, oh, what they were really crying about. But here, Chazal asked the other question. 
Only Yosef was crying for Yaakov. What about the other? So Rashi quotes the famous Chazal. Yaakov lo nafal atzavra Yosef velo neshako. He didn't. V'yomer avoseinu shayakori eshma. He was busy saying Kriyashma. Yosef! Shema Yisrael! This ain't Kriyashma. So many different genres of Pirushim talk about this. Oh, was it the last moment of Sosma Kriyashma? Kibarava A, Masidokalosa say, Osef Mitzvah, all the wonders of, of, the, of the questions asked. But Pashtas, what was he doing? At this moment, he couldn't say Kriyashma three minutes earlier. It was the last moment, he waited to, Yaakov waited to the last moment. Oh, maybe it was Vasikin. If you wanted to get Kriyashma right at that moment, what's what the Chazal trying to tell us? So again, many drushes given about this Chazal. So, we never saw the Ksav Sofer on it. Let's see what the Ksav Sofer says. And the Ksav Sofer tries to keep it as pshat-oriented as possible. Let's say it that way. Meaning, give me a reason, give us a reason why he wasn't crying. Or maybe a substitute for crying. Let's see what he says. V'tzarek lohavin. Lama lokar, source six. Lama lokar, of Right? Why did he just say, say, give him a hug and then say kriyashma? Kamo Yosef. Shebevadaya kari kriyashma lafan of What, Yosef didn't miss kriyashma? So whenever Yosef said it, Ah, so some say, oh, Yosef had the mitzvah of Kibbut Av, and that's, that's why he's Osef with mitzvah. But Yaakov didn't have that mitzvah. But he had the mitzvah of Kibbut Malachim. Okay. So the question is, what exactly is that? V'yesh Lomar, line 5. Leo's ki matzinu shekibit Yaakov is Yosef b'chvod melech. We know in next week's parsha, Yaakov gave Yosef the kavod of a king. Yosef was second in command. Yaakov gave him that honor. Kid'amru. As the beginning of Parshas Vayichi states, Vayishtacho Yisrael Rosh Hamita. Yisrael, Yaakov, even though he was on his deathbed, he, he raised himself up on his bed. Chazal say, because Yosef walked in. He was, he was his son, but he was the king. He was the king. Gotta give him covered. Vihineg. Mashabachadim Lamelech. Why do we give covered to a king? Why does the Gemara say that you even make a bracha on a, on a, on a non-Jewish king? Why? Because we recognize that it's really God who gave covet to this person. HaKadosh Baruch Hu chooses the rulers of the world. We think it's de- the democracy and the government and the people. That's what it looks like. Every country chooses their leader. But really, Lev Malachim Yad Hashem. HaKadosh Baruch Hu chooses who's in charge of every country. HaKadosh Baruch Hu chooses the... Yeah, we have to vote. We have to do our ishtavos. Yes. But ultimately, the covet we give to a ruler has to be out of a recognition that really all authority flows from upstairs. And that itself is covet to this king. If I acknowledge that, you know what, God gave you this covet, I'm giving you covet because I'm saying that God chose you. If I deny, if I deny God's involvement, if I deny Malchus Shamayim, and I only believe in Malchus Haaretz, that's minimizing, that's insulting the, the power of this person in front of me. Right? What's, the, what's the bracha? What's the bracha we say on a non-Jewish king? How do we give you respect? By blessing God in your presence. And that's, that's a covet for this person in front of me. We're not going to get into now which type of ruler that gets the bracha. But that's the, that's the idea. And he says it's based on a Pasuk and Mishlei. And the Pazik Mishlei that says, turning over the page, Yura es Hashem b'ni v'melech. Fear Hashem, my son, and the king. V'im shonim al titaraf. And with those who are shoneh, who study, do not mix in. What does that Pazik mean? Every Pazik in Mishlei, we're going to have a separate shiran. The Medrash, excuse me, 
Im shonim halachot al titarav. Those who study laws. I'm talking about halachas of Torah. Those who study laws don't get involved in. Butamua. Says the, says the Ksav Sofer, we're talking about our issue. Venir Ali. The Pasuk is saying, fear Hashem Bini Vamelech. And in that way, that'll lead you to true kavod and yira of a king. Yiraz Hashem Bini Vamelech. That will allow you to have tr- proper perspective. Who ultimately chooses and gives the honor. So if I give covet to Hakadosh Baruch Hu and I realize that all covet comes from Him, then Mimbeiwa, I will properly give covet to this ruler in front of me. Second half of the pasuk, Ve'im Shonim, with those who just study laws. What does that mean? Says the Ksav Sofer, with those who think that the king in front of them has their own laws to study separate from Malchus Shemayim. They're just going to study this kingdom. That's what he says, his shot of Imshonim, those who study laws. Imshonim, hamishanim she'inlo'im yerushama Hashem. Uparkimu lo'me They have nothing to do with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Do not be involved in those. Because if I separate Malchus Shemayim, then it's a p'chisus kavod, even in the Malchus Ha'aretz. Skip down to line 819. I honor you because I realize where your honor really comes from. Says the Chsav Sofer. Putting it all together, if we think about it, why was Yaakov saying Kriyashma at the moment he met Yosef? Says the Chsav Sofer beautifully because he was given Yosef covered. It was as if he was saying the bracha of Shenasan Mikvodo Lobasar Vadam. That's why he was saying Kriyashma. He was acknowledging that all Kaved, all Malchus, all rulership, all authority comes from the one above. Capital O. Vasher Hatzaz Dvarim Elu. Muvanu. It's understandable. You have to come up with any of these drushes. Dikara Yaakov Avinu Kriyashma Bishashe. Hasra Al Yosef Hitra'eh. El Yosef Pano upon him. Right when he met Yosef, Lasher kibdu liYosef bekov melachim v'laharoso ki mechavdo bekavod amakom shachalak lo mikvodo. He's showing Yosef that he realizes. Yaakov realizes that Yosef is here, and Hakadosh Baruch Hu gave him the covenant, and that's the ultimate covenant I could give you, my son. V'lomet beishu nifchames paro. I realize you didn't get raised because paro raised you. You got raised because Hashem is with you, and that's the ultimate covenant. If one of us are chosen to be in a position of leadership, because the Kodesh Baruch Hu chose us, that's why he's saying Kriyashma now. It's not that he's, he's, he's doing something that he shouldn't be doing. Why is he doing that? He sh- no, this is not what he should be doing. And according to him, he doesn't finish the, the last point. This is the source, possibly, where Chazal created that bracha. On Kvod Malachim, right? This could be the source where they get the idea from to to make a bracha on on Malachim. Okay. Okay. Two two other points for the evening, both from Ravar and Salvechik. from his Sefer, the Warmth and Delight. It's really one article, but two separate ideas. We go to the Haftorah. We'll start with the Haftorah because that's what he begin, it begins about. And then we'll get back to a thought about the whole story of a, of a medrash that we really never spoke about, but it's, uh, it should be spoken about. Now, Torah tells us in Yechezkel, as we know, I'm just going to read a couple of psukim. You don't have it, but we're going to, I'm going to, we're going to focus on source number eight. Baruch tells Yechezkel Hanavi, Take one stick and write Yehuda on it. Vilivne Yisrael Chaverav, Ulakach Eitz Echad Uksov Alav Yosef, Eitz Ephraim, Vachol Beitzel Chaverav. You have a stick of Yehuda, you have a stick of Yosef. This is the Haftarah of the two Mashiachs. Mashiach ben David, Mashiach ben Yosef. This is it. Vakarav Osam Echad Al Echad. Bring them together. Lachal Eitz Echad, Vahayu Lachadim Biyadecha. They will be as one in your, uh, they'll be like one in your, uh, in your hands. 
Daber Alem, Komar Hashem, Inelokech, Aziz, Yodav, Rabbi Yadafrai, I'm going to put them all together. This is the Medrash. Mashiach ben Yosef, Mashiach ben, Mashiach ben David, ultimately from, from Yehuda. So many Mepharshim on the, on the Navi, on the Torah, discuss the relationship between Yehuda and Yosef. And that's what this Parsha is about. By Yigash, I love Yehuda, Yehuda and Yosef. Previous Parshas, we spoke about Yehuda versus Reuven. But Yehuda now, he has proven himself, as we spoke about last week, he has accepted responsibility, Yehuda and Yosef. What's the, the difference in character? Between Yehuda and Yosef, as we see in the uh, between uh, what's the relationship between Yehuda and Yosef? So, suggests Rav Aaron Salvechik, we have to look at the Rambam in Shmona Prakim in the sixth parak. This has come up in the past, but Rav Aaron says it in this context. Source number eight it says the Rambam has eight Prakim. As an introduction to Perkei Avos, in, Perik, in the sixth Perik, he writes, Amra Philosophim, the philosophers write, Shahakovish is Yitzro, the Afalpishu who osem maisim na'alim. Philosophers say that if somebody overcomes internal tivus, desires, Kovish is Yitzro, Hari who oses atov, Bobizmanshu, Shoeflamasim, Aromumishtokeklahem. A person has a taiva to do something terrible. To sin in any regard. And a person overcomes his taiva and he does the right thing. It's called a Moshel B'Yitzro. V'ne'evakim she'ifo sav and I fight and I, and I conquer. V'ne'ogei b'vulo sav es ma'ashem o'orim o'soi lav kochosa v'tavosav t'chudas nafsho. I fight, I overcome. That's called a Moshel B'Nafsho. That is not the highest level that a person could reach, say the philosophers. Aval ha'chassid the highest level, according to the philosophers, is a chassid me'ule, as he's called. What does that mean? Someone who has conditioned themselves to not want anything that he shouldn't want. No, I've conditioned myself to only want to do the right thing. I, I don't have any struggles anymore because I've conquered. Right, there's Moshe of Yitzro, but then there's Sadik Meule. And I and I desire to do the good. Right, they they they've agreed. All the philosophers and the Rambam knew philosophy. Right, all the philosophers agree that a Chassid Meule, somebody who doesn't even have the time to do something wrong, is greater than a Moshe of Yitzro. But the Rambam says. If you look in Chazal, there is much evidence to the opposite. There is much evidence that a Moshe Benafsho is greater. No, you have the time. Not that we should put ourselves into positions of Nisyonos, Chas We dive it every morning. We don't want to have Nisyonos. But we all have inner conflicts, inner struggles. So, he says, line 21, When we look in Chazal, we find, If I want to, as Chazal say, I want to eat that. I want to do this. I want to do that. Maybe a Moshe B'Yitzro is greater than a Chasin M'ula. Chasin M'ula, it's wonderful, but it doesn't have any struggles. Doesn't have any fights. Right? You have to be a, a Moshel, Moshel B'Yitzro. That's somebody who's accomplished. Chazal even say the greater a person is, he has a greater Yitzhahara. The Gemara says, So a Kovish a Moshel B'Yitzro is greater. And says the Rambam on line 37, Philosophers and the Chazal, they're at odds with each other. Contradiction. Who's greater? But the Rambam, Kedark of HaKodesh, says, no, no, no. There's no contradiction between philosophy and and, uh, Chazal. The Rambam says, there's no machlokas here. It depends which Averis we're talking about. Vahu. Shaharo Shemesal Philosophim Raosema Shabayam Amrush Mishina Shoitlam Yosir Nala. When the philosophers say that a chasid Mu'ula is greater, they're talking about what we would call Sichlios. 
the mitzvahs that are logical. That's where we should be conditioned to only want to do the right thing. Oh, I wish I could steal, but you know what? Lo signov. Lo signovu. No. Says the Rambam, even Chazal would agree. We have to condition ourselves to be people who don't want to steal, who don't want to rip people off. We don't want to kill people. We don't want to embarrass people. I really don't want to be nice to that person. But you know what? You know, Hashem says not to do Gemilas Chesed. No, we should want to do the Chesed. That's by the Sikhlios. But by the other mitzvos, by what we call Chukim or Shimios, you know, it's okay. To have the taiva, I want to wear this jacket that has shotness in it, but you know what? God said I can't. You know, kashrus. Kashrus, on the simple level, is not based on logic. God Hu told us what's kosher, what's not kosher. Says the Rambam, on the, by those mitzvahs, then emotional benafsho is fine. On the bottom, and says the Rambam, that applies to the mitzvahs that we will call Chukim. And he says at the end, this was everybody together. The Rambam makes shalom in the world. Wonderful. Says Rav Aaron Salvechik, in his opinion, this is the difference between Yehuda and Yosef. And it's not only with Yehuda and Yosef, but it also applies to their descendants. Rav Aaron doesn't go into this. But says Rav Aaron Salvechik in source number 9. When Yaakov describes Yosef he, in, in his brachas, Birchos shamayim me'al, Birchos tahom, Ravetzes tachas, Birchos shadayim varacham. Right, he has brachas from the womb. Right, Yosef has obvious struggles, but most of them, came out, all of them are external. Yosef, we don't have in in um, in the psukim, we don't have Yosef as being a major balchuva that he did something wrong and he has to do tshuva and overcome. No, Yosef at tzaddik. His his he has external right. The Asia's potifar is external. But he, has to, he has to overcome, but but it's not that he, he he's a chassid. He just had a he had to keep strong in, in within himself. Yehuda, Yehuda was chote. It could be he was chote with the Mechira, he was chote with Yehuda, with, with the story of Tamar, and Yehuda is the symbol of Sadka Mimeni, of overcoming, of being a Moshe Benafsho. What is the bracha that Yaakov gives Yehuda? You, you rose up! I mean, you rose up, because he was down. Gur Arye Yehuda Mitarek Bani Alisa, Kar Ravatz Kar Kimenu. Originally, Yehuda was a lion's whelp impelled by various drives. But he elevated himself from the prey. After selling Yosef, right? What does it say about Yered Yehuda? Yehuda the lion, which is the symbol of freedom, was willing to subordinate himself and surrender his freedom to save Binyamin. Right? He was able to do that. Of the two character types, Chassid Mula Moshe Benafsho, Yehuda. And, and if you look in their descendants, the descendants, the rulers from Yosef, were Tzadikim. The rulers from Yehuda were great leaders, but they were Moshe Benafshos. David HaMelech. Yehuda. David wasn't perfect, but he was David HaMelech. David HaMelech. Says of Aaron, the greatest leaders the Jewish people have are not Chassid Me'ulas. Because they can relate to the Hamon Am. We need a Moshe Benafsho. Somebody who's not perfect, but somebody who can relate to the people. David HaMelech. Yehuda. That's what he says. The majority of the populace has little in common with the Chassid Me'ula. Any man, however, can be a Moshe Benafsho if he sets his mind to it. Thus, Yehuda was most fit to be the king of B'nai Yisrael. Point number one, Yosef versus Yehuda. Next point, separate idea. It's a pasuk in last week's Haftorah. Last week's Haftorah. Many of us are familiar with the Medrash from, from Yom Kippur or Tishabav, but it's based on the pasuk. The Pasuk in Amos, in the second paragraph in Amos, says, source number 10, I gave it to you, Ko Amar Hashem, this is Haftorah for, for, for uh, actually Vayeshev, two weeks ago. Torah for Vayeshev, Ko Amar Hashem, Al Shlosha Pishei Yisrael, Va'al Arba'al Lo Ashivenu. Amos is giving Musr. On three, Pshayim, negligence, Va'al Arba'al Lo Ashivenu. I'm not going to punish? Al Mikram Bakesev Tzadik. 
They sold a tzaddik for money. Ve'evyon, and somebody poor, ba'avur na'alayim, for shoes. On this pasik, the Medrash Darshins, I gave it to you, it's in the Otsar Medrashim, in source 11 and 12. It's quoted from Alasvarim. Um, the Medrash says, this is an allusion to the brothers. The brothers selling Yosef for shoes. For shoes. Where do we know this from? We know this from later in history. From where? The Asar Haruge Malchus. And many of the Machzarim on the bottom, they write this Medrash over to give us the background of the Asar Haruge Malchus. So he quotes the story on the bottom in source 11 on line 7. When Hashem, he gives a mushal first. Let's skip the mushal for now. But skip down line 11. Line... Line, line 10. The Caesar of the time knew a little bit of, of Torah. He saw a Pasuk in Shmos. Kidnapping. Kidnapping is Asadaraisa and is Chayav Misa. And he sent her Shogam Liel and asked him, Is this the Halacha? Chayav Misa. The Aruge Malchus, which are all different historical time periods, but we put them together in the in the Kina and in the Piyut. They say, what did we do? There were ten brothers. There's ten of you. That's why they were Asara Aruge Malchus. That's all Yosef. Yosef, and he quoted the pasuk in Amos. For shoes, Amruloim, Ache Yosef, Machrachem, Anovo Pashana. But what did we do? That was the brothers of Yosef. Lamatarogosanu. Amrulam, he says to them, they're not around. I need some substitutes. They, 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 they lived centuries ago. Hayiti Tovsav, Osebayam Din, Achashayinam Bachayim, you're their descendants. So, I'm putting you on trial for them. Amrulo, Rabshukam Leo says, give us a couple of days. We want to go up to Shemayim to see if this is the Gzeira, as we know the story is told in the in the Piyutim that we say in Ela Ezkara. In Gzeira Zubar Shemayim, he goes up and he hears from Me'acharia Pargod to accept this, and the Malachim say, Zutar v'zuschara, how could this be? And Rahman al-Islan, this is the story that, this is the story that occurred, and it's all for the shoes. That's the Medrash. Question, for shoes? There has to be a deeper idea here. Did they sell them for shoes? Did the brothers actually sell Yosef for shoes? Should it be taken literally? Is Amos really saying that? They were sold for shoes? Question one. Ask Question two, which is already part of the answer. Where else do we have shoes removed in Halacha? So we know we take shoes off by a Makam Kadosh, for Duchening, Yom Kippur. But in Halacha, where is there a requirement? Chalitza. Chalitza. Someone, a brother-in-law who does not want to do Yibam, does not want to fulfill the mitzvah of Yibam, so he, his shoe is taken off. He doesn't even take off his own shoe. His shoe is taken off. And as of Aaron Salvechik, what's the symbol of that? And is there a connection between the shoes of the Shvatim and the shoe that is removed by, by a Chalitza? So Rav Aaron Salvation says two points and then he puts it together and answers these questions. Number one, he says if you look at, in Parshish Kiseitse, there's two Lashonos used and he quotes the Vilna Gon who says that every word in the Torah is unique. There are no such thing as synonyms in the Torah. There are two phrases used in the Parsha of Chalitza. The man who refuses to do Yibam says, Lo chafatsti lakachta. I don't want to take her. I don't want to marry her. And what is declared to him by, by her? Me'ain yivami. Me'ain. Mi'un. Which means refusal. Says the Gra. Lochafatsti and mi'un are not the same word. Refusing and not wanting have different connotations, says the Gra. Ravarin quotes the Gra. Let's read it on line 22. There are always subtle differences between terms which at first blush appear to be identical. Mi'un, says the Ga'on, is a refusal based on caprice with no reason behind it. Mi'un is arbitrary. Mi'un has no valid reason. It's not based on logic. 
Lo chafatzti is based on logic. I don't want. I can explain it. I have ideas. I have explanations. Says of Aaron, let's analyze Chalitza for a minute. Kodesh Baruch Hu gives the chance for this woman who didn't have any children to have her house built up again. The chesed. It's all chesed. So that she, she, her, her, the, the, it's a chesed to the dead brother. It's a chesed to the wife. It's a chesed to everybody in the family. And this brother says, no. This brother says, no. Says of Aaron and he, and he builds up some of the, the background. Let's look at the next page for a minute. Two brothers who throughout their lives shared many joys and sorrows were very close until one of them died childless. Through marrying his sister-in-law, says the Torah, the surviving brother will perpetuate the memory of his deceased brother. We don't exactly know how, but we understand, we comprehend, we comprehend it somewhat. And he says though, lo chafati lakachta. What is he saying? He's come up with all different reasons why he doesn't want to do the mitzvah. I don't want, we're not compatible, we're this, we're that. All these types of reasons. What do we say to him? He makes his declaration. But she says, None of them are good reasons, are valid reasons. It's all just justifications and excuses. It's really mi'un. It's really an arbitrary refusal that you are not doing the will of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. As we know, Yibam is called Machalitza. As Manazel, we don't because we don't have the proper kavanas. But in the ideal world, Yibam comes first because that's the chesed HaKadosh Baruch Hu gives the opportunity for the brother to do chesed, to his brother, to his sister-in-law, so the Torah, he says, Lo chafatzi, but she says back, Me'in, it's a miyun. And then what happens? She takes off his shoe. What's the symbol of a shoe? Says Rabbi Aaron Solveitchik. So we've discussed differently in the past, but says Rabbi Aaron Solveitchik, a shoe symbolizes my ability to take the world around me and adapt it to me so I could be comfortable in it. Right, if I walk outside, I'm not comfortable barefoot. I'm on stepping on rocks and thorns. A shoe allows me to adapt the world to fit me. I'm who I am. I'm not changing. I'm who I am. And I put on a shoe, and putting on a shoe symbolizes that I am adapting the world to... Be, I'm making the world smooth. It's, it's not hard. It's not pointy anymore. It's not smooth. That's what a shoe is. I'm adapting the world to me. By chalitza, we remove his shoe. And that's why, by, 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 let me just step, for a second, step back for a minute. By a makam kadosh, we take off our shoe. Because we don't, we don't when it comes to Torah and HaKadosh Baruch Hu, we don't adapt Hashem and the Torah to us. We have to just jump into the Torah. No machitzas, no adaptation. We have to adapt to it. We have to adapt our lives to the Torah. Not that, okay, it might hurt sometimes. It might be, be you know, you gotta, you gotta step on some rocks, but no shoes. Because the shoe symbolizes adapting my surroundings to me. We don't adapt the Torah. We make sure that we adapt to the Torah. So this Yavam, who refused to do what HaKadosh Baruch Hu said, and that's why the switch from Mochafasti to Mi'un, we remove his shoe. She removes his shoe to say, to point out to him what he did wrong. Right, you were taking your own logic, your own justifications, and saying that, oh, this is what I think. That's like you have your shoe on. That's not what you do with the will of God. You take off your shoe, because that's what you should have done. That's what you should realize. Right, remove the shoe because you have to be one with the Torah. No adapting the Torah to us, but we, we must be, without machitas, connected to the Torah without adapting to it. That's Revar and Salvechik's thought about Yibam and Chalitza, and now he says, let's get back to the brothers. Sold for a pair of shoes. You can just read it. Everything I said here is, is right here. Sold for a pair of shoes, says Revar That's not literal. They didn't sell it for a pair of shoes. But what? As we mentioned, as many say, the brothers had rationalizations. Why they did what they did. Why they, why, how logically they were bound to do what they, they, they had to do what they did. Right, many say, well, well, Yosef is driving us out. We have an avua that is supposed to be 12 shvatim, and he's pushing us out. Just like Ishmael, just like Esau, we're going to be rejected. Yosef thinks he's the only one. If we don't get rid of him, there's not going to be shifte ka. Better to have a weapon, to have whatever, all the rationalizations. It was like a lochafatsi. But, in the end, 
It was all for a pair of shoes. Meaning they were adapting their surroundings to fit them. They were adapting the world to fit into what their, their, their rut zone, their inner rut zone was. On the last page, when Amos said that Israel would be punished for selling a righteous man to obtain shoes, not in a literal sense. The Hashkacha brought about circumstances which convinced Yosef's brothers that it was bent up procuring Yaakov's bracha for himself, uh, etc. It was implanted in their minds that they would be completely left out. They didn't do it because of they were inhumane, but that it was as if they were wearing shoes. And that was the problem. They sold them. The, the message of the shoes, the message of the adaptation of everything to fit me. We've quoted in the past, and just to end with this, the thought that I once heard from Rabbi J.J. Shachter, Kavati Itim Torah. I mentioned this many times. On a deeper level, not just did he set aside time for Torah, but Kavati Itim Torah. Were you Koveya the Itim to the Torah or the Torah to the Itim? Did I fit my life into Torah or did I fit Torah into my life? Well, this, this part of Torah fits into my life and this fits into my life, so I'll take this part. But this part doesn't. So I'm not taking that part. No. What a Jew has to do is to fit our lives. Kaveh the Itim, our times. We have to fit everything in our lives to the Torah. Kavat the Itim, la Torah. And that's what's symbolized by taking off shoes in the Makam Kadosh, on Yom Kippur, when the Kohanim go up to Duchin. And that's the message of the Pasuk in Amos, in Fashat Vayeshev, which is all about the story of Yosef and his brothers, which Baruch Hashem, Kaisrael, conclude this week the trilogy of Vayeshev. Mikates and Vayigash, and by the next week we get into Chazak Chazak, Yaakov's last will and testament, and the Brachas. Okay, we'll stop here.